The Famous Five Short Stories Collection by Enid Blyton Good Old Timmy Gina, will you stop shouting all day long? How can I work for pity's sake? Clear out of the house. We're just going, Daddy. And as we're taking a picnic lunch, we shan't be disturbing you for some time. I know you're on a big job. It's bad luck it's holiday time and we're all here. Huh. Oh, dear. Was that your Uncle Quentin shouting again? Never mind. He doesn't mean to be bad-tempered. But he really is on a big job at the moment. And he's trying to get some figures for the scientist he's working with, uh, Professor Humes, who is staying in Kirin at the Rollins Hotel. Now, here are your sandwiches and biscuits and apples. And you can take some bottles of ginger beer out of the larder. Just then, Anne raced down the stairs, and the five, all in swimsuits, went off to the beach to bathe and laze and play games on the sands. Only three other people were there. Two men and a lonely-looking boy. Julian found a cool cave and put the food on a shelf of rock. What about a swim straight away? Hello. Tim's off to rub noses with that dog we saw yesterday. The big, ugly brute we didn't like much. He belongs to those two men. They're not much to look at either. I wouldn't like to meet them on a dark night. Well, Timmy seems to like their dog all right, Julian. Look, there's that kid coming along the beach again. The one we saw yesterday. Should we ask him to come bathing with us? He seems to be all on his own. Look out, kid. Don't get knocked over by our dog. Timmy had come racing up joyfully, chasing the other dog and the boy went sprawling as they galloped round him. Timmy turned in surprise and saw the boy rolling over and over on the sand. He gave an apologetic bark and ran to the small boy, licking and sniffing at him. The boy was very frightened of Timmy, and Julian ran to him. He's only making friends. He's only saying he's sorry he knocked you over. He won't hurt you. Come on, get up. We were just going to ask you to come and bathe with us. The boy stood up, shaking the sand off himself. He looked to be about nine or ten and rather small for his age. Well, thanks. I'd like to bathe with you. I'm Oliver Humes and I'm staying at the Rollins Hotel. Then your father must be a friend of our uncle. He's called Kirin, Quentin Kirin, and he is a scientist. So is your father, isn't he? Yes. A very fine one, too. But he's worried this morning. Why? What's up? Well, he's working on something important. And this morning, he had a horrible letter. It said that unless Dad agreed to give the writer information about what Dad was working on, he'd 
He kidnapped me. Oh, rubbish. Don't you worry about that. We'll tell our dog Timmy to look after you. Just look at him playing with that ugly great mongrel. Timmy's a mongrel too, but we think he's beautiful. I think he's too big. Timmy came running up, panting. The other dog went back to the two men, who had just whistled for him. Come on, let's swim. I can't swim. I wish you'd teach me. Right, we will when we've had our bait. We'll go into the water now. Come on. And soon the five, Timmy too, were splashing in the sea, yelling and diving in and out, having a glorious time, while Oliver paddled near the shore. Then suddenly Julian gave a shout and pointed to the beach. Look! What's happening? Hey! All the five looked and saw something very surprising. The two men who owned the big brown dog were dragging Oliver out of the water, one with his hand over the boy's mouth. They're kidnapping him. Remember that threatening letter he told us of that his father had this morning? Come on, quick. See if we can stop them. Timmy, come on now. They swam to the shore and slipped hurriedly into their sandals. They've taken the kid up the cliffs. They're at the top, look. After them, Timmy. But not even Timmy could get up the cliffs in time to rescue the screaming boy. Julian was at the top first with Timmy, just in time to see a car driving off. The big dog was galloping after it. Why didn't they take the dog in the car too? Perhaps he's a car sick dog. Anyway, I bet he knows where the men are going and has been ordered to follow. If the car doesn't go too fast, he can easily keep up. I've got the number anyway. Listen, I think Anne's right when she says the dog must know where the men are going. And it can't be far if the dog can run the whole distance. Timmy was not listening. He was sniffing the ground here and there. Then suddenly he began to trot along the cliff road, nose to ground. George gave a sudden exclamation. He's sniffing the other dog's tracks. He knows his smell. He's following it. You're right. Look, let's see if he'll follow the trail properly. He might lead us to Oliver. Tell him, George. He always understands every word you say. Timmy, listen. Follow, Timmy. Follow. Understand? Timmy lifted his big head and looked hard at George, his ears cocked, his head on one side. Yes. He understood. Then, with nose to ground, he trotted swiftly away down the cliff road, sniffing the tracks of the other dog. How did he do it? What a nose he had, old Timmy! Very steadily, Timmy followed the scent down the cliff road, turned off to the left, trotted down a lane, swung to the right, then to the left. He waited at the traffic lights and when they changed to green, he crossed the road and then trotted right through the town, nose to trail. The children padded behind in their swimsuits, Anne getting very puffed. At the other end of the town, Timmy turned to the left and padded down a lane, nose still on the scent. The four followed closely. I shall have to rest shortly. They passed a garage outside which stood a black car being filled with petrol. 
I say, that's the car that took the boy away. The men are in it, but I can't see Oliver. And that great dog isn't anywhere about either. Well, they must have hidden Oliver somewhere not far off. And then they came back here for petrol. Go on, Tim, old fellow. You're on the right trail. I expect they've left that dog in charge of the boy. I bet if anyone went near, he'd tear them to pieces. And I don't want Timmy in a dog fight. Julian came to a stop. Timmy, however, went on and wouldn't come back, even though George called him. Obstinate old thing. Once he's following a trail, nothing on earth will stop him. Well, I'm going after him in case he gets into trouble. Look, Timmy's gone through that gateway into a field. There's a shed at the bottom of it. Could Oliver be there, with the dog inside, guarding him? Timmy stopped suddenly and began to growl. George ran to catch hold of his collar, but Timmy wrenched himself away and raced to the shed, scraping at the wooden door. Immediately, a volley of fierce barks came from the shed. The five halted. A voice came from the shed. followed the trail correctly. Quick, Jew, we mustn't let him break in that door. The other dog will fly at him, and at us too. Whatever can we do? It was obvious that the other dog had been left on guard and would fling himself on anyone or anything that tried to prevent him from doing his duty. Timmy, stop throwing yourself against that door. You'll break it down, and then goodness knows what will happen. As both dogs, barking fiercely, again flung themselves on it from opposite sides, the door cracked in two places, and the bottom half shook and shivered. Anne! George! Quick, come with me! He may get attacked by the dog once he gets out. Run! Perhaps we could climb that tree, look! Oh, buck up, for goodness sake! Terrified, the two girls raced for the tree, and the boys shoved them up, clambering onto a branch themselves. Crash! The door fell to the ground, broken in half. And at once, the great mongrel leapt out. But it took absolutely no notice of Timmy. It ran instead to the tree and stood below, growling fiercely. Timmy stood staring in surprise. Why was this dog growling at the children? It was all a mistake, Timmy decided, and he must put it right. He ran to the tree and whined as if to say, It's all right, do come down and play with us. Then he went to the other dog and whined to him too. The mongrel gave a loud bark and jumped up. He ran off a little, stopped and turned round as if saying to Timmy, All right, you want a game? Then so do I. You're the dog I played with this morning, aren't you? Well, come on, let's have a game. And to the children's enormous astonishment, the two dogs gambled amiably together. I feel a bit silly up here. Come on, the war's over. Those dogs look as if they're friends for life. Let's go and get the kid. With the frightened boy safely in their midst, they began to walk cautiously out of the field. The two dogs took absolutely no notice. 
The big mongrel had got Timmy down on the ground and was pretending to worry him. Timmy was having the time of his life. Look, there's a bus going to Kiran. Stop it. We'll get in it and take Oliver back to safety while we've a chance. Timmy will just have to walk. He'll make that dog forget all about guarding Oliver. It was not long before they were safely back in Kirin. Oliver looked very white. But when Julian told him solemnly that it was really a very big adventure, he cheered up and began to boast. I was kidnapped. Cool, what will the boys at school say? But I was jolly scared, though. Can we go and find my father? The professor was very thankful to see his son again, for already he had notified the police that he had disappeared. Dick gave the police the number of the men's car. You'll soon track them, all right, but not so well as Tim here. He used his nose, and a jolly good nose it is too. <laughs> Look at his tongue hanging out. He says he's hot and thirsty. Let's buy him an ice cream. We'll all have the biggest ice creams there are in the village shop. I could do with one myself. I could do with four, so I hope you're feeling generous, Dad. Dad, you should have seen Timmy following the trail. He's a wonder dog. <laughs> well, we've always known that. Come on, Timmy. Ice creams! Ice <laughs> creams! 